language. Uh, this is a uh, tribe in Cambodia of about, I think about 25,000 uh, people up in Northeast Cambodia. And this weekend, they have now received their New Testament, first New Testament. And uh, uh, it was a joy to be a part of that celebration. Uh, and, and just to as well celebrate how God has worked among those people um, with about 2,500 now that have believed in the Lord over the last 30 years or so, just in the last 30 years, God's worked in wonderful ways. And so the word of God is not bound and uh, his word keeps running and is being honored among all the nations. So I wanted to share that so you could rejoice with me. I want to share today from Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and titled this, Be Careful in Prayer. Now, Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon, and this passage deals with corporate worship in the temple and vows. And in a way, this instruction from Solomon may seem irrelevant since we no longer have a physical temple where God dwells and neither is offering vows a prominent part of our worship. But all of scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable, useful for us today to teach us what is right, to expose in us what's wrong, to restore us back on that right way. And I pray that the Lord will use this text to do that. Now, as I specifically apply this passage to corporate prayer, let's pray before we begin. Our Father, you are in heaven. We are on earth, and yet we know there is a way to you through your beloved Son. You have made this way, and we pray that you would bring us into your presence in this time, even as we begin, that you would give us, give us the words that we need to stir our hearts in order to approach you. Please help us by your Spirit. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1 and 2. Walk prudently, or watch your step when you go to the house of God, and draw near to hear, rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they do, not, that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. This is the word of the Lord. Here are specific instructions for us of how we are to approach the Lord, and we can apply this in a corporate setting of, of meeting to pray before the Lord. How are we to approach the Lord? First of all, we see we are to guard our steps, keep our steps, or the idiom we use in English for this is watch your step. We say that literally, you don't want to slip on a, a wet floor, or figuratively, watch your step, be careful, cautious, your actions will lead to, to a bad consequence. Why do we need to watch our steps? We're, we're coming to the Lord. This is a joyful thing, right? Well, there's there's joy definitely coming to the Lord, but 
there's also a cautiousness that's necess necessary. And one of the things that we need to watch for is, is because of hypocrisy, a lack of sincerity before God. It's so easy, is it not, to come before the Lord without this sincerity before him. But maybe even more so, there's the danger of familiarity and complacency. And those two things often go together. Familiarity breeds complacency. Here we go again. Another prayer meeting. No, it's not just another prayer meeting. We're coming together in the presence of the Holy One, the mighty God, the glorious one. And his ear is bending down toward us, desiring to hear us pour out our souls to him. So we have to come with this watchfulness over our spirits, even as we begin a time of prayer, that the Lord would keep us from this complacency, this hypocrisy. But the Lord also goes on to say that we should draw near to hear. Here's an invitation. He wants us to come near. Why? To hear rather than give the sacrifice of fools. This is a, a verse that's similar to 1 Samuel 15, 22, the famous words of Samuel to Saul. When he said, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. The Lord desires this readiness to listen and ready to obey whatever he says. That's more important to the Lord than what we can bring, our offerings and our service to him. So we have to align our priorities with his. Come with this ear that's bent toward him, attentive to the word, more than focusing on what we have to offer him or what we're engaging in the actions and form of it all. We are coming to a father. And like a father, ready to instruct a son, a father says to us in Proverbs 4, Hear my son and receive my sayings. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. This is how we are to come to corporate worship, to corporate prayer meeting, with our full attention on our Father. We're here, ready to hear. Our hearts are eager to obey whatever our Father says to us today. And we also come to the Lord as our shepherd, as Jesus said in John 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. And so he desires us to come with ears ready to listen for his voice, to know him as he knows us and to follow him. What a difference would it make in our times of prayer if if we all begin with a resolve and a prayer like Psalm 85, verse 8, where the psalmist says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. He's ready. He's, he's longing to hear what God has. The Lord invites us to draw near to him like this, with, with ears ready to hear. And this takes priority more than what we have to offer. We also see in this text 
that there's a warning not to pray like a fool. For they do not know that they do evil. A fool is unaware of God's responsiveness to his offering. He's deceived himself. He thinks, oh, surely the Lord's going to receive what I bring. I've, I've put effort into this. God's going to receive it. But he doesn't realize what he's offering is repulsive to the Lord. The Lord calls it evil in his sight. He might be, this fool might be faithful in offering his gift. He he does it regularly. He might be zealous in offering his gift. This gift, I'm going to offer it. But he's unaware of God. He's focused more upon his offering than God himself. And may the Lord keep us from this error as well, from being so focused on our prayers or on the people we're praying with that we lose the focus on and God himself, the one we are praying to. The text goes on to give uh, warnings about rashness, about being hasty, and about being verbose. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. Instead of rash and hasty in prayer, we are to be considerate, careful, deliberate when we pray and then the verse two ends with let your words be few not using many words our lord taught us not only how to pray but how not to pray and the reason why jesus knew how often it easy it is for us to degenerate in the way we pray so he warned us in matthew 6 he says when you pray do not heap up empty phrases as the gentiles do for they think that they will be heard for their many words here this verbose idea is it, it goes along with the meaningless meaninglessness of words many words are meaningless so we begin to speak and speak soon we lose the gravity and weight of the words themselves and this is not how we are to come to God. Come the specific words that we bring to him. Someone said the Lord desires the travail of our hearts in prayer, not the labor of our lips. God's looking at our hearts. He wants our hearts bringing the words that are deliberate, that are careful to him. But last all these things I've mentioned, we could get caught up and 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 very focused on them. But I think this final uh, two phrases at the end really encapsulate this whole thing about being careful in prayer, and that is acknowledging God's place and our place. God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Acknowledging, as Jesus did in the Lord's prayer, our Father in heaven, we are to be in fear of God, stand in awe of him. He is in heaven. And the key problem, you could trace back all the problems of our prayers to this one thing. We do not realize the God we are praying to. Who is he? He's the Holy One. Isaiah 6, the seraphs, they cover their eyes before his glory. He is the sovereign one. He's the Lord over all the spirit, evil spirits. 
The demons shudder before him, James says. He's the Lord over all the hosts of angels. I, I love this phrase in, in the hymn, O thou in whose presence my soul takes the light. He writes, he looks and ten thousands of angels rejoice and myriads wait for his word. He speaks and eternity filled with his voice re-echoes the praise of the Lord. The Lord just glances and ten thousands of angels just their hearts leap with joy that God's about to do something. And then he speaks. They're waiting for his word. What a scene is going on in heaven. And the Lord gives us glimpses into what he's doing in, in Revelation, especially in the heavenly realm and these angels worshiping the Lord. When you take a passage like Revelation 4, like Revelation 5, these other places and just take time to read and meditate on that briefly before prayer. What a difference it makes when you come to the Lord and you're praying, realizing you are talking to the sovereign one who rules over all of heaven, over all of earth. First Timothy 6, he's the only sovereign, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Isaiah 40, he is the one who rules over all the nations. The nations are like a drop from a bucket. They're accounted as dust in the scale. Who are the nations? Nothing compared to our Lord. He's the Lord over every person, over every animal. The cattle on a thousand hills, they belong to our Lord. And so when we come to him, we recognize he is sovereign and he is glorious. There's no one more brilliant than him. First John tells us that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. As Psalm 104, he covers himself as with a garment. First Timothy 5, he dwells in unapproachable light. And, and those we see in scripture who did get a glimpse of him, they, they describe the face of the Lord like, like the sun shining in full strength. Even brighter than the sun as, as Paul was met the Lord on the, on the road. The Lord is brilliant in his glory. This is the God who we are coming to. And where are we? You are on earth. This vast chasm between us lowly creatures and the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. And so Abraham in, in Genesis 18, he prays like this when he's praying, interceding for Sodom. He says, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord I, who am but dust and ashes, he recognizes who he is there in the presence of the Lord. He recognizes his earthiness. Uh, and even beyond this, we, we, we come realizing our sinfulness that separates us from God, it makes us tremble before the Lord, like the Israelites before Mount Sinai. They said, Moses, you speak to us. Don't let God speak to us lest we die. We see the Lord who's Come down on Mount Sinai, the smoke, the lightning, the thunder. Please do not let God speak to us. That, that fear and trembling because of the realization of their sin uh, before the law of the Lord. Praise the Lord. We have a mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so in conclusion, don't let this passage paralyze you with hesitation when you pray. Our prayers are ultimately 
accepted to God, not because they're careful, not because they're well thought out, not because they're full of scripture or sincere. No, the Lord invites us in Hebrews 10, 22, he says, draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. How? Through the new and living way which Jesus opened through his blood. So let's draw near both carefully and boldly as we pray. Amen.